Posa earlier on today, uh, making a call to South African women to lead the struggle for a society that is free of a discrimina discrimination, marginalization, poverty, inequality, and violence, and patriarchal relations that cause them uh, to find themselves, I guess, at the bottom rung in our society. And uh, he said this delivering a speech uh, on the 65th anniversary of the uh, Women's March to the U Union Buildings. And we'll be saying a bit more about that uh, over the next uh, a few minutes or so uh, when we have our discussion on domestic workers with uh, uh, Rufilo Lepere, Dr. Rufilo Lepere, and uh, Gloria Kente from Satsau. But uh, joining me now on the line, I guess, to talk about... Um, sort of what uh, historic lessons we draw from the 1956 march and of course uh, the uh, unresolved unfinished and messy tasks that still i guess uh, await the women's movement in south africa i'm joined by Dumeleng mafate uh, who's a researcher and who joins me now on the line Dumeleng, good evening and welcome good evening Aya, and good evening to your listeners thank you yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Maybe, Dumeleng, I mean, I was saying as we started our show this evening that I, I, I certainly maybe expected a bit more fanfare um, mm. at the occasion of the 65th anniversary of the anti-pass march uh, led by women, by the women's movement in South Africa to the union buildings in 1956. But I guess we also, uh, it must be fair on ourselves. I mean, when we think about uh, the challenges with COVID-19 that have certainly made it difficult to celebrate this in the fashion that would be befitting uh, of this key milestone uh, in our history. But let's maybe start off there, 1956 and even earlier. Um, some of your reflections on this particular day within the long history of the uh, uh, women's uh, struggle in South Africa and, of course, the, the rich history of the women's movement uh, here in South Africa. W when you think of August 9 in that context, what comes to mind? And more importantly, I guess, what lessons can we draw from that history? I think more recently I've sort of started to have an appreciation of um, not just the day of 9 August 1976, but the build-up. And I think what we've, the opportunity that we've missed um, over the years is really one that asks um, what, what happened before August the 9th. Because I think maybe to start from, you know, reflecting on where we are now, I do think that today one was a bit, underwhelming and I think there's generally a sense of um, really a lack of appreciation of you know the the women's struggle in South Africa and the gains that have been made say, from 1956 and before that to now and I think mm. um, we sort of we sort of have a um, it's, I think it's also linked with the whole notion of an instant gratification kind of society, right? So we think 1956 sort of uh, that particular day happened overnight. And because we don't mm. really spend enough time um, being curious about what happened before um, and really being curious about what happened specifically in our communities before that led to that particular day. And I think um, what is amiss now is that, um, you know, the day stands uh, you know, as an important historic day for, for you know, the country as an as a symbol, symbolic of nation building and our history. Um, mm. But it's almost, I think, I get the sense that it's 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 become void of meaning, really. Um, sure. Especially when you look at you know, uh, people in in communities, um, there's no sense of. Uh, acknowledgement of what's happening is just any other day. And I think for me, mm. it's that which is heartbreaking because what it does is that it takes away 
not only an aspect of our history, but also, you know, when we move forward without really having engaged adequately with, with, with the history and, you know, using those particular tools or skills to sort of propel us forward mm. as women or as a society in general. Sure. You know, so as, sure. a, as a start for me, those are just some of the issues that I think, um, you know, I've been thinking about yeah. really. And you know, Itumelek, I mean, it's not like we're short of issues in South Africa, right? Uh, especially insofar as issues that are affecting women. I mean, if, if you think about gender-based violence, if you think about gender pay gaps, if you think about, you know, mm-hmm. the uneven power relations within the ambit of the home and the firm, um, and even, I guess, you know, the, the challenges, social reproductive challenges in our society, which, um, you know, are always linked and we always use the catchphrase of service delivery protests. But in many mm-hmm. ways, it's about the things that make life livable that many people mm-hmm. are still fighting for in our society. And I, and I guess, you know, for me, it, it's so difficult then to make sense of how we overlook this day, but also how we don't draw lessons, I guess, in, in current struggles um, on level of organization that was seen here. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, aside from maybe the defiance campaign before 1956, that you've mm-hmm. ever seen this level of mobilization, not just of women, but I think in the political history of South Africa. Um, and we seem to think that, you know, that's not something that um, I guess in many ways should be uh, explored in the current moment um, as an organizing tool. Um, certainly that's how I observe it. Uh, how do you see it? Well, I think I, I'm just, I think it's, it's, it really goes back to one of the things which I think uh, are important, which is really documenting, uh, you know, history and, and, and our struggles. Because it's one thing, although although issues have been sort of similar, and some of the issues have been recurring since, you know, well, during this democratic period, um, I don't think we are really, or maybe, you know, the women's movement in general is taking, um, um, I think we are not being strategic in our picking up of of, um, lessons. For the future, and I think as an mm. as a nation, I do think that we've become very uh, event not event based per se, but all the things that are done are geared towards a particular ceremonious uh, uh, activity. Mm. And beyond mm. the cere- 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 ceremony, what happens? And I think uh, the reality is that um, um, you know our issues go beyond uh, you know commitments, you know, government commitments on, on eradicating poverty, uh, you know, mm. empowering women or whatever else, you know, that's there. I do think that um, there's an opportunity. I think the gap that's there at the present moment should lead us to saying, uh, you know, a ground-up approach to actually strengthening the women's movement and bringing women's mm. uh, uh, issues to the fore. I personally... You know, as a person who's who spent some time in, uh, you know, researching gender and women's issues, I, which is something that I've been passionate for about for the longest time, I do think that there's a bit of sort of fatigue around, mm. you know, women's issues. Because we sure, speak, sure. we rally, we organize, we petition, we do this, we do that. Mm. But, um, you know, the, the, yeah. the, the, the results of all of that, uh, organizing is sort of, you know, it it it, it doesn't really sure. seem, you know, 
as if we are, we are, we are, we are, we are yeah, speaking, I want to, you know, in a way that... Sure, sure. I want us to pause here for a sec. We've got a quick spot break we need to take. But when we come back, I want you to continue on that thought and uh, uh, also, I guess, how uh, and what other lessons can we draw from this particular moment? Sixteen minutes it is before eight PM. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. I'm in conversation with researcher Tumeleng Mafate, and uh, we are reflecting, of course, on uh, the anti-pass uh, march to the union buildings led by the women's movement in South Africa. And uh, Tumeleng joins me now on the line. And uh, Tumeleng, you were just saying, I guess, just before we went to the break, that you you quite, I guess, you know, uh, uh, dissatisfied with all the pomp and ceremony. Um, and of course, you know, I think there's also a significant amount of fatigue when it comes to these issues. But what do you make of how, I guess, policy, legislation, regulation has responded to some of the things that many women were raising then? Because we know that March was not just about passes, but it was about so much more. Um, and we know even subsequent struggles uh, that have, you know, uh, one been led by women, that have been solely by women, and in some cases, you know, um, uh, uh, across the lines of gender have also raised many of the issues that are front and center for women as well. Have we marshaled a state-led response that is able to factor those in in terms of trying to craft and build the type of society we're moving towards? Well, I think, um, you know, I think it's also important to really appreciate the, the work that has been done in terms of policy and legislation is concerned. You know, and I think on paper as a country, we are still in a good position to um, in a in a good position in terms of in inverted commas gender equality, at least as it concerns women's representation and participation in you know the structures that be whether it's in the national you know cabinet or in different you know governance structures uh, in in the governance system. So I think that's one, and I think um, I think the there has been limitations. And I think the limitation has sort of been to not um, think beyond, say, achieving a quota. So if we have 50-50 uh, representation, uh, gender representation in, in decision-making mm. structures in the country, um, what do those mean and what they needs to happen beyond that? And I think sure. we have been stuck. I think as a nation, as political parties, you know, there sort of has been, a, um, you know, just being stuck in terms of saying we've achieved this, but it, it's not really, um, um, you know, yielding the kind of results that, 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 that we expect. And I think one of the challenges there is that while we know poverty is a problem, we know gender-based violence is an issue, um, and in discussions and conferences, we always say, but we must remember the gender issue. I think we haven't quite definitively spoken about what exactly and mm. if it's X is X applicable across, you know, social class, social classes uh, into where women are concerned. You know, does X apply across races? Does X apply across, you know, even uh, sexualities, etc.? And I think 
one of the challenges is also in us women ourselves, well as women in communities, women in political parties, women in churches, etc. I think there is sometimes a bit of um, uh, disjuncture in how we articulate um, exactly what our, what our needs are and how we consider our needs to be met. And I think mm. um, one of the key things there one of the key things there is that there's a need to sort of go back to basics. And going back to basics also means really understanding, for instance, you know, for women in the township, the issues that would affect township X and how those issues cut across women in that particular place, whether it's from a social class perspective, from a political uh, affiliation perspective, and sort of then building a social movement from from the ground up. Mm. I do think that Mm. there's, there's a need to sort of um, reconnect or re-engage uh, communities because yeah. I think we sort of get caught in in the politics and the theory. Um, yeah, but it's not really. I don't feel that it's really yielding the kind of mm. results that we aspire for, that we hope to see. Mm. Maybe just on, on one of the points you made there, which I think is quite helpful because we're going to be playing a clip in the next few minutes or so from, uh, you know, the ANC conference of 1991. Um, and we're playing that clip because one of the very divisive issues that came out of that conference was this issue on uh, 30% then representation of women mm-hmm. in the ANC of that organization. And mm-hmm. uh, if you look at some of those debates, I mean, some men were saying, ah, well, start with 10%, work your way up. And uh, so there's still a lot of these entrenched heteronormative, very patriarchal type of ideas in the society. Um, and, and, and I guess representation is a critical part of confronting those. But also, I think there's big question marks around the economic structure of society and how that reproduces a lot of these attitudes in terms of how much women are paid, in terms of the work that's done within mm-hmm. the home. Um, any thoughts of that on that just as we wrap up? And uh, we'll certainly, I guess, uh, yeah, reflect as we play that clip on some of the issues that you are raising on representation. I think, uh, you know, I have beyond representation, we really need to start thinking about um, um, the sustainability of representation. Because for me, really, um, it's not meaningful to have 50% of, you know, women rep- uh, uh, represented in a particular structure, um, which will change in the next sort of at the end of a term. You know, uh, mm. for me, it's not really meaningful to have that representation without a set agenda. And I think sure. the question we need to be asking, at least as women or, or feminists or women activists, is really the practicalization of the agenda. I think we know, we, I mean, there's consensus on what, issue, what the issues that affect women are. Um, but how do we curtail those particular, that particular agenda to fit in different contexts and how does that then, you know, culminate into a, a broader program for women that cuts across, um, you know, political parties and other sort of, um, uh, I guess, you know, but political parties, religious affiliations or like social classes, etc. I do think mm. that, so for me, like that's, that's that for me. Um, uh, and I think with regards to... Um, 
I mean, the economy and how it it persistently sort of puts, pushes women to the side. I do think that, uh, I think there's a need for, um, you know, major transformation in, you know, the economic framework of the country. And I'm not an economist, mm. but I think uh, it's really just about enabling, creating an enabling environment for women to thrive. I think I've, I was mm. actually thinking about how over the past, you know, few years, yes, we've seen women rise even in the corporate sector, although marginally. Uh, but I get the sense that those women are also fading. Um, and as they fade, new ones will come up and they also will need about 10 years to sort of, you know, go through the process and, and, and get into senior positions of management, which for me sort mm. of screams inconsistency and an inability to really, um, you know, create a, a platform for um, preparing, and I don't want to say preparing women for leadership as if women are not prepared, you know, to lead, yeah. but really just being intentional yeah. to, to continue, um, you know, taking the issues forward. Um, I really just think that there tends to be a bit of a, uh, it's like we make <laughs> 10 steps forward and then like, eight steps backwards and like mm. with each and every uh, minister or president that comes we say it but um, we don't really see it I think it's really disconcerting if you go to you know villages in South Africa, townships in South Africa and you actually see you know the faces of women in our country there's nothing pleasant about that and I mm. think uh, instead of Change instead of eliminating poverty, uh, I think poverty is more and more becoming feminized, and it seems as though yes. they sort of, um, you know, we are stuck. And yeah, so I think uh, those those that can and those that are interested in the work should really, uh, you know, transcend um, um, issues around representation, but not only from like oh, I'm studying gender, or I'm studying women's issues, but really taking it to saying, what are the women actually saying across sectors? Mm. Yeah, yeah, so I yeah. think... And across and, classes. And, yeah. Mm. Tumeleng, and as I always, think, I from a pleasure. That I don't think it's, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, sure. it's not a... It's not a... And it's, it's not something that we can just quickly uh, come with a solution for now. I think it requires... Mm. Uh, intentionality in doing the political work. But I think in also just living in the time that we live in, um, there's just fatigue. You know, there's just a revolutionary yeah. uh, uh, fatigue. <laughs> you know, no one really wants to take up the issues and say, let's push them forward, which I sure, think is really sure. concerning and is telling of, of where we are as a nation. And, um, you know, I think should compel us to really think deeply, especially our generation, to say, yeah. Truly, what, what, which, which basin are we taking forward and how? Tumaleng, it's always a pleasure to catch up with you, uh, Swaman. Thank you very much uh, for taking time out to speak to us this evening. And uh, I think there's a lot of questions that you're raising there, but I think the one point that you raised was this um, deepening feminization of poverty and want in our society, I think, is, is something that if we don't confront you know, faces us like a powder keg in our society. And uh, thank you for, mm -hmm. uh, you know, directing our attention to that, but also, I guess, some of the tasks beyond the pomp and the ceremony of uh, organization that we need to undertake to deal and confront 
some of these issues. And uh, as Dumeleng says, it goes beyond just issues of representation. And that's not to say that representation is not important, but uh, it is a necessary, but might not necessarily be a sufficient condition. We're going to take a brief break now. And uh, when we come back, uh, we take a look at some of the history of the struggles that we've seen over the last half century. Um, and also try and make sense of these. And we'll be playing back a few clips uh, all the way from...